going to read uh, the portion of scripture that's printed for you in the order of worship uh, from Acts chapter 1 this morning, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This ends the reading of God's word. May add his blessing now upon the hearing and preaching of his word. Amen. This morning I want to talk to you about this truth. That the mission of God is accomplished or is necessary to be attached to the ascension of Jesus Christ. Another way to say that is the ascension of Jesus Christ is necessary to the mission of God. The mission of God is to represent his rule, his kingship to the ends of the earth. And for this mission, God has a church. His church is to represent the kingship of our Lord, the rule of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, demonstrating his kingship to the ends of the earth. Albert Shim says that God does not have a mission for his church, but a church for his mission. And so this morning we want to recognize that if we are to be the church for his mission, then our lives, the story of our lives must be wrapped up in the ascension of Jesus Christ. We are getting ready to come upon uh, the series, uh, season of the church where we celebrate 
Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter. And many of you will go and find cards in the stores to send a card to someone about Easter, or uh, you'll participate in those days. But you'll have a hard time finding a greeting card to send someone on Ascension Sunday. The ascension is just not something we talk a lot about. But without the ascension of Jesus Christ, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ are meaningless. Uh, When I was a young Man or young boy, we had things called Coke machines. I don't see those anymore, you know. You'd walk up to a Coke machine with your quarters and you'd put them in, right? And what would you hear? You'd hear them drop. And when the coin dropped, then you knew you could push the button on the front of the Coke machine or you could open the little door if you're old enough to remember that and pull one out. You had access to the real thing, didn't you? Sorry, I grew up in the South. Coke is everything, you know, soda, I guess, to some of you. But the coin has to drop for the real thing to be possessed in your life. And this is the reality of the ascension. Our text here this morning tells us that Luke is writing another book to Theophilus. He wrote in the first book, he says, to Theophilus about what Jesus began to do and teach. And notice there that he says in verse 2, until the day he was taken up. So this book is about the mission of Jesus, what he continues to do and teach after He is taken up. The book of Acts is the book of the mission of God. His representing his kingship, his rule to the ends of the earth as it was then. That's what this book is. That's the story that's being told here. And so he begins by narrating for us and helping us to see in this text that ascension of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus. We confess it in the Apostles' Creed that we believe Christ died, that he was buried, that he descended into hell on the third day. He rose from the dead and what? And he ascended into heaven. We confess this as the church, as Christians, as those who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, that the ascension is necessary for our salvation. It is necessary for the mission of God to reach us. So, first of all, what is The ascension. What is the nature of the ascension of Jesus Christ? It is a relational 
power. The ascension of Jesus Christ is a relational power. We see here in verses 9 through 11 that after Jesus had said these things to his disciples, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. This is the, the, another aspect of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. He came in the incarnation in humiliation. He was born in the flesh and he lived among us as a man until he gave his life for us upon the cross. That is the humiliation of God, his life and his death to save us from sin and death ourselves. But in order for that salvation to reach us, Jesus was raised from the dead he defeated the works of sin and death. He defeated the kingdom of sin and death and darkness of which Satan is the ruler. By his resurrection, by his exaltation. And after his resurrection, he appeared to be with his disciples for 40 days. And then... As he's with his disciples in Bethany on the Mount of Olives, there, they're with him and suddenly he is lifted up from their presence. He ascends and it says here that a cloud, as they were gazing as he went, this cloud took him out of their sight. So he was raised up into the presence of God, into heaven. He ascended into heaven. This is not space travel. When the Russian cosmonaut came back from space, one of the first things that he said in the 1950s was, I didn't see God or heaven. No, he didn't. Because Jesus didn't ascend into the heavens where you saw the moon this morning as you drove here to church probably. He ascended into heaven. He ascended into a place. And that place is the place of his reign, the place of his rule. After the disciples went back to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to preach the gospel, the most often quoted Old Testament scripture they used in their preaching was Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This was a prophecy of the ascension of Jesus Christ, the exaltation of Jesus Christ coming into his rule. Jesus comes rising out of the earth into heaven into his rule. But he's not a man in the attic. He's not a man who is far off from us in relationship to us in his rule. He is related in his power to his church. His ascension is a relational power. It is a powerful rule that comes to his people. The book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians talk about this power as that which he is filling all things. He's the firstborn from among creation that he might reconcile all things to himself. 
So it is a power that is in relationship to those who are in the earth, to his church. We could illustrate it this way. You remember after his resurrection, Jesus is seen by Mary. And Mary seeks to take hold of him. And you remember Jesus says, do not touch me. Why? When we read that, we wonder, was it, was it taboo to touch Jesus after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven? It, it doesn't seem so because when he appears to his disciples, he sits down and eats with them. They must have reclined at table with him as they did before when he was with them. He actually invites them to take their hand and to stick their fingers in the holes in his hands and his side. So it wasn't taboo to take hold of him. What was he saying to Mary but this? Mary, you haven't lost me. And you're not going to lose me. But I must go away from you that you may truly have me. In other words, Mary, don't hold on to me because when I ascend into heaven, then you will have everything that I have done for you and you will have all that I am for you from everlasting to everlasting. The coin will drop and this will become your story, Mary. You will become the one whom I'm related to and you will become my representative demonstrating my rule over all things, even in suffering. I was in a locker room in a, a, a gym in Columbia just recently, was getting changed and overheard a conversation on the lockers apart from me from a couple of gentlemen. And they were discussing the crisis in Ukraine. And they were discussing it in such a way saying, we should have nothing to do with this. Who are we to have anything to do with this? This was how their conversation went. And you know, about a day or two before that, the hearing of that, I had been on a Zoom call with some of our missionaries in Ukraine. And this was at a time when they were fleeing, getting out of Ukraine. And Bob Burnham was one of those. And Bob had taken his wife and his children across the border into Poland, Romania at the time. And then he left them and he crossed back into Ukraine to continue to serve the church in Ukraine, separated from his family. What a stark contrast between what I was listening to in the locker room and what I was witnessing in the Zoom call a few days before. 
what had happened. What had happened was in Bob Burnham's life, the coins dropped. Jesus has ascended. And he's in relationship to Jesus' power to be willing to extend the sufferings of Christ to the body of Christ and to others who are in need of their king. See, the ascension of Jesus as a relational power is necessary. And that's the kind of effect it begins to have. That's the nature of it. It's a relational power. But the effect that it has upon us is it relates us to people. It relates us to his world. The disciples were with Jesus at the Mount of Olives in Bethany when he was ascended. But what did he tell them before his ascension? Would you guys go back to Jerusalem and stay there, please? (laughs) That's what the text, in my paraphrase, is saying. He was staying with them in verse 4, and he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Spirit. He's literally saying to them, don't leave there again. (laughs) You remember in John chapter 20, where does Jesus find them? Out on the sea fishing. He's saying, no more of this. No more fishing. No more going around. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Why? Well, look at verse 6. Are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's the question they have. Are you going to set up your socio-political realm for your people? And the coming of the goodness of your reign for Israel now. The time. This is the time now. And Jesus says in verse 7, it's not for you to know the time. But this is what you are to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, verse 8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's not for you to know times or seasons. You can't look into the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God in those ways. His judgments are unsearchable. But when I ascend... My relationship to you and power is going to be through the other helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to descend the promise of my Father, the promise that's given in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit's going to descend to be with you. He's going to be in you. We're not going to leave you as orphans. And you're going to be my witnesses. This is not a command This is a reality of the relational power of the ascension of Jesus Christ. He's saying you will be my witnesses by your words, by your deeds, everywhere in Jerusalem, all the way to the ends of the earth. My words and my deeds are going to continue through you to all people. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul says, He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. 
Paul is writing to a mostly Gentile church and saying, he came and preached peace to you. This is a church that was planted by the apostle Paul, was formed after, certainly after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And who preached to them? Well, Paul did, right? But who is Paul saying preached to them? He preached to you. Jesus preached to you. You see, the liberating word of the gospel, the liberating word of the king, continues to go out to the ends of the earth, beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria, to Ephesus. And there Jesus is preaching to people who are far off from his covenants and promises and drawing them into a relationship with himself, making their stories his story, his life for their life, his death for their death, his resurrection for their life, his ascension for their everlasting life in him, for their inheritance in him. And Jesus is the one preaching that liberating word to those people and yet Paul says, and yet Paul was the one doing it. He says in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. We insert that preposition there, heard about him. It's not in the original languages. It's literally, you heard him. You were taught in him. When? Well, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 earlier, you see that when Jesus ascended, he sent his gifts and his graces to his church. And his gifts and his graces to his church are for the building up and the perfecting of his church. How are you being taught? How are you knowing the truth that is in Jesus? You're hearing him through his gifts and graces, through his body, his people, his representatives. You see, that's what the ascension does. It affects our relationship to the world. He's doing the liberating in the world. He's the king who's liberating his captives. And you are the representatives of him as the king. You are his witnesses with words and deeds. Where? Here and to the ends of the earth. That's your story everywhere. I love what the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 1.8. He says, we, didn't, we don't need to keep preaching the gospel. The, the word of God is sounding out from you. Where? Everywhere. You see, we can't ignore this part of the story of the ascension of Jesus. To be related to him in his life and death and resurrection is to be related to his world, to people everywhere. I was watching a video after the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl this year. And I saw a clip of a video of 
uh, I guess some sort of celebration for this that was going on. And the quarterback for the this L.A. Rams was standing on this stage. And you couldn't see this person who was facing him on the stage. But this was before things were going to be going on on the stage, I guess. But a, per, a photographer was facing him. You couldn't see them. But all of a sudden, that photographer fell off the stage. And it was high. It was, the stage was high up. And you saw in this video, you saw the quarterback's facial expressions and even his lips moving and the posture of his life after this photographer fell. And it was something like, you know, it was this horrid look of what had just happened. And then with his lips, he was like, oh my gosh. And then what? He turned away. Now, I'm not on social media, so I didn't get to see how social people in the world probably railed at him for doing such a horrible act. But I just put myself in his place. And I think about the people in the world everywhere that are without the witness of the gospel. The representation of the king being demonstrated to them in words and deeds. Among 7.9 billion people in the world, there are five and a half million Christian workers. And 75.9% of those Christian workers work in the majority evangelical world. So 23.7% of those work where there are 2% Christians or more, and 0.37% where there are less than 2% or unreached peoples. So that means among 17,434 people groups, 7,000 of those people groups, those language groups, are unreached, meaning that in their presence there is no witness of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ witnessed to them in word and deed. And we can't look at that and go, oh, and turn away. The ascension of Jesus relates us to that reality. So how do we respond? The ascension of Jesus Christ is a relational power that relates us to people. How do we respond? What is our response to this it's our posture. It's our posture to our king, and it's our posture to his world. Every one of us this morning has a story that you're telling 
It's a story that you're telling yourself. It's a story that you're telling others by your words and your life. In other words, you have a posture. How is that being told? In that posture, we need to begin by pausing. And what I mean by that is, notice that in the text, what they did when they saw the ascension of Jesus Christ. They did what he told them to do. They went back to Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 24, we see that after Jesus ascended and they went back to Jerusalem, they worshiped him in joy. Their story was to be related to him in a posture of pausing in his presence, worshiping him. We worship the ascended king. We come to his throne of grace where all that he has done for us and all that he is for us and all that he will be for us is manifested to us in a service of corporate worship like this week in and week out. This is an amazing privilege that you are participating in this morning to have your story being shaped by the liturgy that you are living your life through this morning. It is the ascended Lord Jesus, your King, who is loving you deeply as you participate by faith. And there he's creating in you his workmanship in Christ Jesus. He's forming and shaping your story. He's showing you that he's coming for you Day after day, he's coming for you to be everything that you're singing about him and praying about him and reading about him this morning. He is the ancient of days. He is the one who's ruling with all authority over your life and over all the world. And you come and you pause there and you let him feed you. You drink from his, from his fountains of living water. You, you eat from him the bread of life. You take hold of him there. You pause. That's what the church was doing in Acts chapter 13 when the Holy Spirit came and said, I want Paul and Barnabas to go from here, from Antioch. That's what the church was doing in Acts chapter 8 when the persecution came upon the church and they were scattered from Jerusalem. They'd been gathering together, pausing, worshiping. And then God sent them out as his representatives to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You pause. But while you pause, you partner. You engage your life in the world. This morning, let me just give you an example. If you go on the MTW website and look on the page there where it talks about Ukraine and you push the little button, learn more, and you go down to the bottom of that page and you click on the Ukraine website there and it'll take you to a story and you can read a story by a pastor who wrote the story today, this morning, before they gathered for worship this morning in Ukraine. 
And you can read that story and then you can pray and you can engage that church and pray for that particular church and those particular people who are members of that church just like you are here. And you know what else you can do? You can write a reply there. You can uphold your brothers and sisters. You can encourage them. Right now, you can be engaged in the world of the church in the Ukraine. And you know who else is reading those replies? People in East Asia and people in Africa and people all over the world. You can click another button and you can give. This uh, guy asked me this week, what can I do? He said, I'm going to Austria. I said, you have two free bags you can take because of the way he was flying. He's like, yeah. I said, call your police department. They need Kevlar vests. He filled two suitcases with Kevlar vests. He's flying to Austria this week. He made contact with one of our missionaries who is near there. And he's going to go to Austria and pick them up and take them back to Ukraine. Why? Because God's demonstrating that he rules in the hearts of his people to the ends of the earth. When we partner, when we engage, it's what worshiping leads to. It's the telling of our stories. And you might be saying this morning, well, how could the Lord use me? Right where you are. Let him tell you his story. Let him use you right where you are. Some of you who may be calling to go. Some of you is calling you to pray and engage. But all of us, he's calling to be his representatives, demonstrating his kingship to the ends of the earth. It's his mission. And the ascension of Jesus has made it our story. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for this morning, for the privilege of hearing and knowing that you are our ascended Savior. And I pray, O oh Lord our God, that you would work in the hearts of your people this day to know the truth of you, the glory of you as their ascended Savior, that they would draw near to your throne of grace where they are welcomed by the King. And where they are loved by the king of love, our shepherd is, whose goodness fails never. And oh, Lord, our God, that as you do this work in their hearts and lives, you would engage them in your worship and engage them in your people's lives to the ends of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.